Hello, and welcome to another episode of Spirit Body. I'm your host, Kaylee Knapp. I am so excited for this episode. I always say that, and it's always true. I have felt so blessed by all the wisdom that every single guest has shared, and this episode is no exception. We will be learning about joy with guest Samantha Booker. Before we jump into it, I did want to say that while Sam is a Christian, I think this episode is going to be great whether you are a Christian or religious or totally not religious at all. The reason is because she shares lessons about joy that are based in like science and psychology. So it's not just like, oh, here's everything the Bible says. It's the science mixed with like the spiritual side of things. And honestly, you'll feel like you want to take notes because she gives some really practical advice on how to increase the amount of joy in your life. I will also tell you there is a hilarious audio disturbance at like 22, 23 minutes, and I didn't delete it. Actually, it might be before then. I didn't delete it because I think it's so funny that I think you will also really enjoy it. All right, here we go. Okay, I am here with Samantha Booker, a friend of mine from school who I mentioned actually in episode one of this podcast. She is a Christian. She's a worship leader at her church. Um, I asked her how she would like to be introduced, and she said, Samantha Booker, a person who likes to help people. She attended a class on joy for three years, which we were just saying is basically like she should have some type of college degree in that. And she ended up teaching that class at her church. She is here to share some of her experience and lessons with us about joy. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I'm excited. So I'm going to jump into the first question, which is like the (laughs) the most basic question of of all. What is joy? So according to this class that I went through, the whole thing is that we have been taught this misconception about what joy actually is and that joy is just an emotion. But the book actually defines it as connection to God and other people. And so basically they go into this whole thing about how like our brains are actually wired for relational connection. And that that is like the strongest desire of our brains is actually relational experience. So they say it's like joy is when someone is glad to be with you. And so if you think about it, when somebody does greet you with like a smile and they're excited to see you, that feeling is not just an emotion, but it's like a chemical brain response. So that is kind of what basically motivates you from the time you are a newborn baby all the way through the rest of your life as an adult. Really interesting. Yeah, I feel like that's super profound. And it's making me think of when you see like little, little toddlers and kids at the grocery store who are like, hi, from like aisles away. Like Mm -hmm. we have that like motivation from a really young age. Yeah. So is there anything else that you think people need to know about joy or misconceptions people have about joy? Well, let's see. I have, I have a lot of notes because I, there's so much information (laughs) in these books, which by the way, Credit to the authors. The first book is called Joy Starts Here. It's by uh, E. James Wilder and Ed Corey, K-H-O-U-R-I. Don't know if you need that information. And then there's like a bunch of other stuff online called like Life Model Works and there's workbooks that you can go through. It's like a whole course just like dissecting 
everything scientifically and then comparing it biblically also. So it's really cool. I did to write some things down because there's so much. I'm like, I have to, I have to hit my high points. Otherwise I'm never going to remember or even be able to like cohesively talk about everything because there's just so much stuff, especially if you grew up in church. So I feel like a lot of times growing up, we were told that you had to like convince yourself into joy. You would say things like, oh yeah, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And like Jesus first, other second, yourself last and just stuff like that. And they, they do talk a lot about it in the book, but it's just like how just that is like a big misconception is that you can like convince yourself into that. And that joy is so much more than just like happiness and pleasure that actually when you make eye contact and smile and connect with somebody that your brain actually releases dopamine into your body, which is the same thing that when you experience any kind of other thing that is pleasurable, but the highest release is when you're actually connecting with somebody else. So that's kind of where they get the joy definition from, which it is weird at first because you're just like, Oh, joy is happiness. But when you start to think about it, like the times that you feel like most joy and most like yourself and where you can be like who you are supposed to be and like who your God-given identity is. And when you can be fully yourself and knowing that like that you can just be who you are is usually when you are, have a connection with other people. Also then biblically, it goes along also because all throughout the Bible, it talks about like community and how we need people. And I feel like actually in society, that's like a huge thing that is like, affecting people's joy levels is like this need to be so independent that you don't need other people. And I know like for myself, that was a huge thing in the last few years of just being like, I don't want to ask for help and I don't want to like need people because I don't want people to think I'm weak. And so that's one of the things too. But I mean, all throughout the Bible, they talk about community. I mean, Paul talks about it in, I think, uh, Corinthians, when he says the whole thing about like the hand can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. And then again, in Romans, when he's talking about like, if somebody amongst you doesn't want to eat this food, like then just don't eat it because it will help them. And so it just talks about all the positive benefits of community everywhere in the Bible. And I'm like, this actually makes a lot of sense because when I'm most happy is when I'm like actually connecting with other people, not just like, doing stuff by myself or, you know, watching TV. Like I've noticed myself that when I do things that are pleasurable or make me happy, that those feelings, they're a lot shorter than when I get back home from like having, you know, a half hour with my best girlfriends, just like really connecting and talking to each other. And like that emotional, that dopamine release is lasts a lot longer than just like the shallow things from like pleasures of the earth, the world, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. Lots of information. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you so far, everything you've said has been amazing, but I, I felt like this conversation would be informative, but for me, almost a little bit challenging because mm. I feel like I can't hear this kind of thing and then not act on it. <laughs> You know, yeah. well, it's so hard I'm not like, to. oh, okay. And um, one thing that I don't know if our listeners will be able to relate to this, but if I can think back to when I was the most depressed, 
I almost always had quality friends around me that I just wasn't connecting with. It's like I wasn't making that a priority to actually connect with people. That makes sense to me now when you're saying that joy is like connecting with people is sounds like the number one thing, really. Mm -hmm, For sure. So one of the things in the book, there's a, a whole chapter in the first book about like how to create joy in your community. I got to open my book to part of it because I want to make sure I get them all right. But one of the biggest things that they teach you about how to create belonging and how to like build a joyful community around you is to handle people's weaknesses tenderly. And if you don't do that, then it has the complete opposite effect of creating joy because then all of a sudden your environment is not safe to talk about things in. It's not safe to actually be who you are. So then you start to like do whatever different things. Like for me, I am a people pleaser and I care about what people think and I might care about people's perceptions of me sometimes to a fault. And that motivates a lot of my decisions that I make. And so if I'm in a situation and I say a little something that is like kind of vulnerable and it's met with like some kind of joke, then automatically my brain goes, yep, nope, you're not safe. So I can't be my real self here, which automatically inhibits building any kind of joyful community because it's not safe. So in the book, there's like three basic responses that you can do in a situation that is causing your brain distress. And you can either have a protector response, which is when you do handle people's weaknesses tenderly, which in turn, you know, makes people be able to be safely vulnerable and increases the joy levels in the community. You can have a predatory response, which is usually my default. Um, And it's when you basically like exploit and prey on people's weaknesses. And through the class, I was like, oh my gosh, I do this. And I do it at work most of the time. And I was just like, oh, I don't want to be that. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. But um, they talk in the book a little bit about how most of the time your brain is wired for that predatory response. So like when you start to recognize it, then it makes it a little bit easier for you to like catch yourself in it and be like, Oh, okay. Like pause for a second and think about why you're reacting the way you are to this. Usually it's just some type of misperception. I will read part of the book because it does talk about in there, how our brains are pre dispositioned or pre-wired for the predatory response. It says without training, predator responses are all we have. We need training by gentle protectors who respond tenderly to weakness or we will respond like predators and prey. Predators discover the weakness, weaknesses and vulnerabilities of others and exploit them. Predators use weakness to obtain or retain dominance in the food chain. Predators fiercely guard their positions and will hurt others in the herd if threatened. Predators also do their best to hide their weaknesses and appear strong to assure their positions says predators are the most common product of low joy herds. So I noticed that like at work, I was like, oh my gosh, everybody is like miserable all the time because everything is super stressful. And when your brain is in distress is when you go into one of these three responses, you can be a predator, a protector, or the last one is a possum, which basically means you just avoid, hide, or minimize the distress and you withdraw from any kind of confrontation. And because that's just easier than 
confronting and whatever. And it's just, you know, the easiest response when it's not safe. I don't usually do that one. I usually (laughs) go right to the predator response. I've tried and I I know I've gotten way better about it because I just did not want to be known as the person at work that like people were afraid to walk in my office because Samantha might bite their head off today. So that's been super helpful. But basically that is the, one of the biggest things that has helped me is learning to like handle people's weaknesses tenderly and to not exploit their weaknesses to like make myself look better. Like whatever at work, it's mainly the thing because I, as a manager, don't want you to make me look bad to my boss and I don't want you to affect my job. So when you start to affect my job, it's like you get in the way of my efficiency and I'm like, all right, just forget you move out of the way. I need to do this instead of doing the helpful thing in the long run, which would be like saying, how do you need me to help you do this? Like I'm here for you. And I want, like, I know that you're overwhelmed and this might be a lot on your plate right now. So like, what can I do to help you out to make this easier for all of us? So instead of having that response, I'm just being like, forget it, just get out of my way. And so now it's actually helped a lot. And I've seen like really great improvements in my coworker who I oversee. So it's just been cool to see all the changes and stuff, like how this has all played out in my, my life and more specifically work. And then even how I respond to like my boss when he gets predatorial to me (laughs) (laughs) and just like, you know, they teach you lots of different ways on like how to handle situations in the books. And that's been one of the super helpful things to me. I don't remember why, what you said that made me think of that question, but. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, I know you, so you had started talking about um, what had helped you the most, which that was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you did actually give an example of this in your answer, but I'm wondering if you have any more that you could say about how to handle another person's weakness tenderly, like just general advice. What's helped me is to help me like help other people is to actually figure out like what helps me in those situations. Uh, Like knowing your triggers, I guess, is a big thing. And then once you know like your triggers and you start to like look at people differently, you kind of have more grace for them. And just understanding that a lot of times, like just like the, what the age old thing, like hurting people hurt people. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, well, everybody has hurts. And so obviously when like you hit a button, it's going to like off somebody else's, it's going to cause a reaction and you can like, just learn how to handle it by taking like two seconds to actually think before you're speaking and not just reacting, which is like a big problem of mine. <laughs> I just like usually <laughs> react and not just like take a second to think like, okay, this person is not intentionally trying to hurt you. They're not intentionally trying to like, it's really coming from a place of hurt in them. So when you start to see things through that perspective, it makes it a lot easier to give grace to people in those situations. Now, there's another thing that um, the book goes into called your relational circuits in your brain. And when your relational circuits are, off, then it is a lot harder to react in a positive way to people or to diffuse a situation. 
So in like, I think it's the third book or something called Belonging, I believe. Yeah. There's this whole checklist that they go into about how to know when your relational circuits are off. I'll just give you some of the examples real quick because I know like for me, this also has been super pivotal because I'll know like based on my reactions, if I'm short of patience or a short temper, I'm like, if you're irritating me, then like my relational circuits probably are not on because I'm making the problem bigger than the relationship. That's kind of what the whole thing is, is making people bigger than problems in situations. And so when you react to situations, you have to put it in perspective and go like, okay, what's more important here? The person and this other human being that God loves and that I'm supposed to love or the problem. And it's like, okay, well, duh, the problem is not bigger than the person. Like I care more about the person than I do about the problem, or I care more about the person than I do about being right. So this checklist has really helped me. It's just really kind of funny because I'm like, some of these things I'm going, Oh, that's, that's what that is. Like, this is a relational circuit being off. And so I'll just read a few of them. The ones that like I tend to gravitate towards the first one is I just want to make a problem person or feeling stop and go away. Like, yes, let me avoid all the things all the time, please. Or my mind is locked onto something upsetting, which is also 100% me. Like in a situation, I'll be like, no, I have to talk about this now. I have to tell you all the ways that you're wrong. And like, I just have to like, as my dad would say, beat a dead horse. (laughs) Or I strongly want to retaliate. That's another one of mine. Okay, it says, I become aggressive in the way I interrogate, judge, or fix others. Uh, If you interrogate, you ask aggressive questions about my hunch or fear of what someone is thinking, doing, or feeling while looking for a particular response. It says, I use my questions to expose the things I disapprove of so I can prove myself right and win or fix. I already know what I want them to do or say, and I use my questions talking with them to get my way or reach my goal. Also do that one. I don't feel like listening to what others are feeling, saying, or going to say, or when others are talking, I'm already figuring out what to say before they even finish. I don't want to make eye contact. I would rather just handle problems myself or people are a bother and, or get in my way. <laughs> so, <laughs> I feel just like, like, yeah, I feel like things. those are very relatable. <laughs> For sure. It's, it's been so helpful for me in those situations to like have those questions in the back of my mind now and be like, anytime I have a response like that, I just go, Samantha, you're making the problem bigger than the relationship. And you're probably like, you know, your relational circuits are off. And a lot of things can play into that. Like when you're tired, obviously it's a lot harder to like have your relational circuits on. I mean, it's just like the same thing with any kind of relationship. You probably, you know, like when you don't get enough sleep, it's not as easy to make loving decisions and say nice things to your husband or to like your sister or your, you know, whatever, your mom. And so it's just like things like that come into it, into play also. But just learning like in those situations, how to just take a step back and be like, okay, I need to make the relationship bigger than the problem here. The books give you lots of tools too on how to, uh, they call it return to joy from one of these like distressing emotions or situations, that checklist has been super helpful to me to just even help me put things in perspective. Off the top of your head, can you think of any examples of the how to return to joy things, methods, maybe I should say? 
<laughs> sorry. I, my, I'm like, don't know what sounds in my house you can hear. My cat just jumped on the piano. I was going to say, is that your cat playing the piano? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you could hear it, but yes. Still going. <laughs> I'm really enjoying that. I hope, I sincerely hope that that is, ends up in the podcast because it's not super loud, but yes, I can hear it. <laughs> I feel like that's, I should have introduced uh, you as a worship leader at your church and your cat as the worship leader in your home. (laughs) Okay, let me think about this. There's been lots of things the past few years that have actually really helped me. Brene Brown's whole TED Talk on vulnerability, super Mm. impactful because she goes into this whole thing about like the story you're telling yourself in a situation. Um, So that's helped me just like understand that. Um, and then the Enneagram has also really helped me just like learn about myself and like what triggers me and what motivates my decisions. So it helps me be a little bit more objective. Basically one of the biggest things in the books obviously is how to return to joy. And so they teach you lots of different ways to like tell a story or after you've been in a situation where you're like, well, I didn't handle that as a protector. I was more predatorial or I possum in this situation. What they'll teach you to do is to retell the story. And then you tell it talking about like, I'll give an example. So I was at work one day and my boss said something like he came up to me and started yelling like out of the blue and instead of like being a protector in response, I kind of turned more predatorial and was just like, well, you know, maybe if you had approached this person and weren't like screaming at them, like you usually do, then like they would have responded better. And then afterwards I was like, oh, I probably didn't handle that the right way. And so what you do then is you're saying like, in the moment you'll say, Like, oh, I was at work and things were stressful and, you know, it was like a really tense environment. I could feel the tension in my, like in my shoulders and in my neck, you know, just like the whole atmosphere, you could just feel the stress and the tension levels. And my boss approached me and he reacted and said some not nice things. And I barked back and bit his head off in a situation. And it's not like me to have a predatory response. It would be more like me to have handled his weakness tenderly. And in that moment, when he snapped back at me, it would be more like me to say, I understand you're really stressed. And I know that things are kind of crazy today, but maybe we can, you know, have a discussion about this. You kind of basically go into like, it would be more like me to have this response. And so when you look back at situations like that and you tell the story back, what it actually does is it wires a path in your brain to like have that be a a memory response. They do so much scientific stuff in there and explaining all of the like brain science behind it that I'm like, I feel like I need to go back and relearn it like four times because I didn't (laughs) grasp it all. (laughs) But I did get that. Like when you do tell stories a certain way that your brain actually does take it on as a memory so that when you're in that situation again, you can respond the way that you want to respond or what they say is like, you respond out of a place of like your God given identity. We were in joy class and I told this story at work er, at joy class about work and said that, you know, it would be like me to handle his 
weakness tenderly and just like say, you know, I, I see that you're stressed out and all of this stuff. And then the next time that happened at work, I didn't snap back at him right away. I remember that I like walked away and afterwards I was like, oh man, I should have done this, but I didn't have that same negative reaction back to him. And so I remember like seriously turning the corner and being like, oh, I wish I would have said this. And then the next time it happened, the response that came out of me was, look, I know you're stressed out and this is just not who you are. It's not like you to react like that, but I know like you're stressed. And I bet if you go back and explain to that person that you just snapped at, that they would be understanding, you know, if you walk back there apologetic and he was just like completely diffused. Like the whole situation went from like way up here. He was like, oh, you're right. Yeah, that was uncalled for instead of, so I was just like, oh my gosh, I did it. I succeeded. And I diffused the situation. Like it actually works, you guys. That's amazing. That's really amazing. And I, I think what you said makes sense to me where when you're telling yourself the story, it sounds like you're trying to kind of vividly capture the emotions and the tension. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, saying it's more like you to be, um, I think the words you used were like your God-given self or your, you know, what, yeah, whatever, I guess you would want (laughs) to be and kind of tell yourself the story that way. Wow. That's, I feel like I need to write that down for myself and like (laughs) remember it, like put it on a flashcard somewhere in a mirror so I can like start doing that. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's, that's been super helpful. And then one of the other things in the book that they talk about is what they use this acronym called BEEPS. So it's basically all of the things, like I was saying earlier, like pleasure and happiness that like they call it pseudo joy because it's not really true joy, which is coming from connection with other people, you know, safe environment where you can fully be yourself. The pseudo joy stuff, behaviors, events, experiences, people, or substances. And that's like the whole thing about like a lot of this stuff is actually used for people who have developed like drug addictions or other types of addictions. And then this is like a process that they kind of use to like help break those. So beeps are things that you turn to that release dopamine in your brain. That is like a quick fix for your distress, the emotion that you're feeling, anger, hopeless, hopelessness, despair, sadness, you know, fear, anxiety, things like that. So like when you are feeling those emotions, instead of like doing what you need, which is really to connect with somebody else or connect to God, we turn to the things that are easier, like quicker fixes. And so for me, I've noticed that like the biggest one for me is actually when I get home from work, like just wanting to unplug, quote unquote, unplug and watch TV because when I watch TV is when my brain releases dopamine and then I go to bed and I wake up and I'm not any better off than I really was yesterday, aside from maybe a little bit more rested. So yeah, for me, like my big thing is TV and I just like to do that. So I've realized that like, that's one thing, or sometimes it's like food or like ice cream or sweets or, um, whatever, it's, it can be whatever it is for you. Sometimes it's like an unhealthy relationship or sometimes it is drugs or sex or whatever, you know? So it can be lots of things that you turn to instead of like 
actually having like true connection with somebody. And so, you know, one of the things that they say is a lot of times when people return like, or turn to beeps or whatever, it's in a response to something that was traumatic in their life or just a stressful situation. One example was like, there was a a few weeks ago, I had somebody who was like, Hey, want to meet with you? Just want to like, see where you're at with this and blah, blah, blah. And so immediately in my head, I was like telling myself this whole story, like Brene Brown saying about like (laughs) what this whole conversation was going to be like. And then I was like, seriously anxious about this meeting. And I'm like, in my head going, I know that they just want to catch up and that they're like, just want to see where I'm at and they care about me. But then like my heart was just like, no, uh, I was super anxious about it. And they're like, like you did something wrong. Like I messed something up. I did something to make them mad, you know? And so I was having this whole like spiral out of control moment. And, um, I remembered my relational circuits checklist. And I was like, Oh, the first one that I always go to is I just want to make this problem person or thing or emotion go away. And so I was already thinking like, I just want to go home from work. I just want to watch TV. I don't want to think about it. And I was like, Oh, that's (laughs) not what I should do here. And so I was like, okay, I'm at work. My parents live literally five minutes down the road. I should just go over there and connect with them. I can't talk about this problem because I don't want to talk about it, but I just need to connect with somebody else, which it's so funny because when you're in those emotions, it's actually takes effort to not take the easy path and just like go to a beep or whatever. It takes more effort to connect to somebody else. But the thing is, is like the more that you do it, the more you break those habits and those addictions that we basically have to different things. It's not easy. The whole way home, the two minute drive on the road that it literally takes to get to the street where I would turn out of my parents' house. I was debating back and forth the whole time. Like I didn't tell them I was coming over so I could just go home and nobody would ever know, but I need to do this, but I don't want to do this, but I know it's good for me, but I don't want to do it. And so I did end up going to my parents' house. And it was really great because I ended up talking to my mom and I did end up talking to her about the problem. I am a verbal processor of things. And so I like to just lay all the things out there, which either verbally or mentally, when you let yourself just ramble about problems, it does not do anything good ever. It just makes it worse. And so I was just going on and on. I'm like, but this and this, and she's like, stop. This is not helping you stop. And so she was like, you know, that this is situation and this conversation is not going to go anything like this. And I was like, I know, but what if, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, stop, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, it really did help. And I'm like, if I would have went home, I would have not slept good. I would have been anxious and nervous the whole night over literally absolutely nothing because the whole conversation that I had when I met with the person the next day was like, awesome. And it was just like, oh, this is so nice to catch up with you, you know? But the thing, that story that you tell yourself in your head, I saved myself so much anxiety and despair that night by just going over and connecting with my mom, who then told me on my way home, like, just put worship music on and hand it over to God. It'll all be good. So of course, then the first song that starts playing when I get in my car is called Lay It All Down. And so... (laughs) 
I'm just like, okay, God, yeah, yeah, I hear you. (laughs) Once you do the things over and over and you start to realize your vices or whatever you want to call it, your beep, then it makes it easier for you to go, oh, I know what I'm going into here. Like I need to stop that now and like go this path instead. And I need to connect with somebody or I need to go connect with God. Like I was just telling somebody yesterday, I'm like, I knew my relational circuits were off like real bad when I thought of like this first beep. And then I was like, already before I had even had it, I was like, that's not enough. I also need this one. And I was like, whoa, oh my gosh. I was like, well, I need some Jesus real bad. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's making me, that's reminding me of times when I'm like, I definitely have to eat some chocolate and I should probably buy something online. Yes, (laughs) I know. I know for real though. I'm I'm like all all the time. That's literally what I did. I was like, Oh, I just want to go find like a cute shirt. I'll just like go on my app when I get home for like, cause I always buy the clothes from American Eagle. <laughs> Shameless plug. I love American Eagle. <laughs> um, and so I'm always like, Oh, I'll just go look on the clearance section see if I can find like a cute t-shirt or something. And then I was like, Oh, and like, maybe I'll get ice cream on the way home because like, then I'll feel really good. And I was like, whoa what am I doing here I was like this is not good and so then I think I called my mom on the way home because a lot of times it's easier for me like it's more work for me to go oh I have to connect with God like there's so much effort so a lot of times which like I'm like this is literally I whenever I say that out loud I'm like this is so dumb but sometimes it is for me it's like oh, it's so much more work to like sit down and read my Bible or put on a sermon. Like, no, it's not. But that's the excuse I tell myself apparently. And so a lot of times I'll call my mom so that I can like start with like a baby step and be like, okay, I feel better after talking to my mom. Now it's a little bit easier for me to go to God. Mm. It's just kind of funny because God kind of called me out on it the other day too. He was like, you know, the reason that like, I'm having you work on this stuff is because when you're married and you get home from work, you cannot just disconnect. You have to be able to connect with another person. And like, otherwise you don't have a relationship. And I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) So even if you have kids, like you can't just be like, sorry, having a bad day. See ya. Like I'm going to go watch TV. <laughs> I mean, you can, but, and I'm sure people do. And like maybe once in a while, but like probably not on the regular, that's a good mm-hmm. idea. <laughs> like, I mean, if you're saying that and you're going to go spend time with Jesus, then by all means go, because the reaction you're going to have to somebody is probably not going to be great. If your RCs are off anyways, RCs being your relational circuits. <laughs> it's like just the crazy thing that I've learned to catch myself doing now too. And I know the Enneagram is like really big on your motivations and your whatever stress arrow or your path disintegration and recognizing those dispositions that your personality type has and recognizing that so that you can nip those in the bud before and then go, nope, I'm not going to do that because that's an unhealthy pattern. I'm going to go to this instead, you know? And so it kind of ties in a lot with the joy class stuff about just recognizing your, your beeps or your unhealthy patterns and going, when I want those, the best thing for me to do is to connect to another human being or connect to God. 
Yeah. Wow. There's a lot of good information. I love that I'm like, can you take like three years of learning and condense it into like 30 (laughs) minutes? (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to like end this, but I also know in my real life, like I will actually have to go soon, (laughs) but it's making me go, no, wait, we need to do more. Like, so I have not actually started reading the book that, which the first book, which for our listeners is out of print, but you can still get it online. Although it is It's always annoying to me whenever out of print books are sold for like more than than what they were. Yeah, like listed for $75 on eBay or something. (laughs) Yeah. Like my $15 book. Cool. For our listeners, you can still get it. It, You just might have to pay a little bit more. But I I feel like I'm going (laughs) to, like if if you're willing to, like probably I'm going to ask you again if you want to be on the podcast, because as I like move through the book, I feel like there's just like so much, there's so much information. Um, There's so much. Wow. So is there just, I guess I would say like wrapping things up. (laughs) Is there anything else that was like one other thing that you could say or have have time for, even though I feel like there's probably a million other things you could say. A million other things. There is one other thing that has really helped me. And there was, um, it's this whole thing about, so another thing that they go into is like, you have to have joy, uh, shalom and grace in order for things to like be fully cohesively working together. And so shalom is like what they define as when everything is like right in the world they equate it to those moments where you're just like, Oh, everything is amazing. And I just want to remember this moment. And that's like what Shalom is. And so, you know, part of that is going hand in hand with joy and being like, well, when you have high joy and Shalom, it's like everything working together perfectly. One of the things that's really helped me in here is they have this whole like Shalom for my soul and my heart. And you either answer like one of two sides and for me, one of the big emotions I always get into is like, I am more driven to anger responses than like fear or anxiety responses. And so for me, the big thing is it says, if I'm feeling angry, then it gives you like some checklists. But the first question is what happened that upset me? So you answer that. The second question is what feels so unfair about this situation? And then you ask God to show you where he sees you were hurt most. What is different about the situation now that God and I are looking at together? And what do I appreciate or long for when God joins me? And so then the fearful and anxiety side, still the same first question, what happened that's upset me? What feels threatening about this situation? And then you ask God to give you shelter. Then what's different about the situation now that God and I are looking at this together? And what do I appreciate or long for when God joins me? So those two kind of responses have been super helpful, but mainly for me, the whole thing, my, one of my biggest buttons is when things are unfair. I realize that like, if I can take a second to look at a situation objectively and go like, okay, why does this feel unfair? And then take it to God. It's usually like something like, oh, I don't feel valued or, oh, I don't feel seen. And then I just listen to God tell me all the ways that he does value me or does see my efforts and it makes it a lot easier. So 
when you do that also then with other people, it creates a higher joy environment and creates belonging. That's amazing. Thank you. There's so many things, <laughs> but that's like the, that's the other thing that has just been really helpful to me is just asking myself all the time. Okay. What feels unfair? Like, or for other people, like what feels threatening about this? Well, I was already very motivated to go through the book. And now I feel like so much more like I must learn this. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it seems so valuable. So you've already mentioned the book for people or the, the first book for people who are yeah. might be interested in more. Oh, shoot. I forgot what it's called again. <laughs> the first one is Joy Starts Here. And it's actually like a book that you read all the way through. And then there's some little questions and stuff in there. And then the other are all workbooks. So you've got Connexus, which is a book about restarting. And then there's one called Thriving. And then there's one on Belonging. They all have really good information in them. But the Joy Starts Here one definitely should do first because it kind of gives you like a overall thing and kind of helps you with all that stuff. And the first time I read it, I remember reading it and being like, oh, I'm not a bad person. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> like that a lot of the stuff that you do is like, because your brain has been traumatized by something, you know, big or small trauma is not just these big traumatic events. Like trauma can also be small things, but it's like your brain's response to just like feel safe and feel connected and feel joy. And so it's just made me feel like, Oh, I'm not a failure. Like this is just like my brain's response to things. And so in a time of distress, like my, my brain was reacting to try and get out of that distress and just making like these rash decisions because it was like, get me out of this trauma right now. And so it just really helps. Cause I'm just like, Oh, when you're in the middle of something, like, I'm sure it'll be really helpful for you because you've talked about like when you were struggling with depression, you're not broken because you felt that and you're not broken because you went through it. It's like something happened that caused trauma. You are stuck in that. And your brain was, is just trying to figure out how to get yourself out of that distressing situation. For me, it was like, after my ex and I broke up, all of a sudden, all these questions and things like came up and it was like, oh, there's something wrong with me because he's marrying somebody else. And it caused all of these traumatic emotions and responses in me. And then my brain being in that situation was like, I just need to do something to get me out of this feeling. And it's like me then thinking like, oh, I made all these bad choices because I'm an idiot or I'm a dumb person, whatever, like. And then it creates guilt and shame and all of these like unhealthy other things. And it just becomes this vicious cycle, which if you're not careful, when you go into those beeps, then is when those like addictions become worse, which is why a lot of times in, when people go through traumatic situations, people will become addicted to drugs or alcohol or sex or food and they gain a bunch of weight. It's because like your brain is going, I need something to make me feel better. And I need something to release dopamine. It's like your brain's response. And it's not because you are a bad person or you make bad choices. It's literally because your brain is like struggling and freaking out. That helped me so much to be like, oh, I'm, I'm, there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> like I was just in 
some legit distress, you know? So Mm -hmm. I feel like it'll be really helpful for you when you read it to just be like, oh, it it just helps explain things more. And you just don't feel so dumb like I did. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I can definitely relate to that as far as looking at things I've done or choices that I've made and thinking, just having negative self-talk about it. And I think that a lot of people probably relate to that. And for sure, just knowing no, you're not actually a terrible person. Like there is, there are actual reasons right. <laughs> that you're right. making those choices or doing those things. Like scientific and sometimes uncontrollable responses to things because your brain is just doesn't know how to handle it. I feel like I just want to keep talking to you for like several more hours. <laughs> um, but I also know that I can't actually do that based, based on my current schedule. Um, <laughs> But thank you so, so much. If people would like to find you on Instagram, where could they find you? At Samantha Jordan B, as in boy. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. That was amazing. Okay. I totally love that. I hope that you did too. Please reach out to me on Instagram. My handle is at Spirit Body Podcast. I love hearing from you and talking to you about each and every episode. So please just let me know what you think, what you want to hear more of, what your thoughts and opinions are. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it on your social media. You can tag me at Spirit Body Podcast. I would absolutely love that. I hope you are having an amazing day and I believe that you will have a wonderful week. Love you guys. Bye.